Hey everybody. So this is really exciting. Uh, I am here with my friend Mike and we are talking about Smurfs, the Lost Village. And uh, I feel like we're giving it, it's, uh, it's, it's a little, fair due. yeah, fair do. That's a good word. <laughs> and uh, cause I think people have been a, a little harsh on it and I, I like the film. So uh, Mike, do you want to introduce yourself and your channel and uh, yeah, uh, my name's uh, Mike Culligan. I'm 22. I'm from Ireland. I'm just uh, uh, I'm just uh, training to be training in computers, of course. But uh, I love animation with the bottom of my heart, and uh, I have a YouTube channel of my own, Cartoon Karma. So uh, uh, I, I started off doing videos in a kind of cinema sins format, but I uh, but they're different in that, you know, I do a fair share of positive and negative stuff, but I'm branching out into other content. So I was doing, started doing ordinary reviews of films as they come out. And uh, that's how I kind of met Rachel over Twitter. Yeah. And uh, like herself, like herself, I thought Smurfs was a bit uh, underappreciated. Now, my own experience with Smurfs is limited. Haven't seen the live action films, a bit too young to have experienced the cartoon. And most of what I knew just came from research following that scene for, you know, for my review. So that's as far as my experience with the franchise goes. So I'm enjoying it pretty much on its own merits. Right. Yeah. That, yeah. That's good. I, I also, even though I'm a lot older than you, I, I didn't really grow up with <laughs> Smurfs as far as the cartoon or the, the comic strip that much. It wasn't something I was, had super nostalgia for it. I think I saw it. You know, but I, I was more attached, I think, because there were no female characters. It didn't, I mean, not no, but there's only one <laughs> female character. It wasn't something I was super drawn to as a kid. Uh, and, mm -hmm. you know, I, I guess even though I did like the Ninja Turtles, so I don't know, just certain things you're drawn to and other things you you don't as much uh, as other things. There's so much out there uh, to be fans of. And yeah. I did see the live action films and I thought they were horrible. <laughs> I hated them so much. The first one, they're both, they're both terrible. The second one I think is slightly more creative in the story because there's like the evil, there's these like evil Smurfs, but ugh, it's just like, yeah. I don't know, like you got Neil Patrick Harris worrying about his job and, and the thing that really, it's just, I found it very shrieky and very annoying and just hard to watch like a million puns. And I guess uh -huh. the thing that annoyed me the most is like there's product placement in every movie. And like in, in the recent uh, Power Rangers movie, it can be done in a way that's sort of funny and, and charming. And they're kind of in on the mm -hmm. joke. Of course, of course. Or, but, but that wasn't the case with the Smurfs movies. I mean, I'm not yeah, kidding when I've I say, yeah. yeah, every shot in, in the movie has some Sony product placement, every shot, like you'll have like the, there'll be something on the taxi cab or in the signs, or uh, they'll be sitting on a, a, on a Sony computer or something like oh. that. And it was just so like, oh, this is for children. It just felt like, it just felt unseemly to me. <laughs> hated that it was so much it's like these are kids like stop selling stuff to kids like it just i don't know it bothered yeah. me a lot well, that's just that's the problem with children's entertainment these days a lot of it just treats it as a sound and light show and treats children that just responds to you know sound and music and lights and noise as though they're like yeah. robots you know 
or deadened automatons, as I've often heard. <laughs> yeah, there's no like attempt to make anything and, uh, creative. That's basically the problem. Yeah, and and like the Smurfs in those movies, I think looked really old and really wrinkled and just unpleasant. It was just so. They're both, I thought, so yeah. unpleasant to watch. <laughs> yeah. But this, I, uh, yeah, I mean, you, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I mean, well, it, from what I've seen in the clips of the live action films. You're basically taking these designs that are very cartoony, you know, these little blue gnomes with uh, proportionate uh, heads and arms and limbs. And then even though you're keeping those proportions, you're rendering them in a ridiculously realistic manner. And the effect is almost uncanny valley, as I see it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Like it's it's mm -hmm. it's like everything that they did in sort of Elf and Enchanted, but done wrong. Done oh, yeah. in a, a in a way to like no no charm, no chemistry, no jokes that were funny, just blah. And so this one, yeah. I think that like it's not a perfect movie, and we'll talk about some of the flaws. But I feel like they really mm -hmm. tried hard <laughs> to make the best Smurfs movie they possibly could. And I, I think a lot of the flaws that I see are just flaws of the franchise. So they're hard to like. Yeah. get behind you know like they're hard to, like mm -hmm. you'll see when we talk about it later but man i mean I, I just feel like given a smurfs kit this is like if somebody were like here's all the stuff and you have to make a smurfs movie i don't know if i could make better smurfs movie than this i think it's just about as good as it gets and i think you got to give them some credit for that yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, basically, my attitude at the end of the day is it's it's a great. Uh, I'm maybe a little less warm to it than you are, especially after your second viewing. But I still, I'm agreeing with it enough to give it a passing grade. That's basically yeah. my stance, which is right. which is still quite a few notches above what most audiences and critics are saying. Right. They're basically saying it's not the vile weed the others are, but it's completely forgettable otherwise. That's yeah, I, what everyone's saying, basically. I just don't think it's a 39% uh, on, you know, on Rotten Tomatoes. That's just, like, I get Rotten mm. Tomatoes and what it is. I, I'm totally fine with that. But, <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, I just, I can't understand how this could get a 39% uh, and, uh, and some of the critics, I thought, were pretty, pretty harsh in those 39%. Uh, mm -hmm. That I and and the boss baby could have <laughs> could be at almost fifty percent last time I checked. Like, what is wrong with the world? Fifty two percent, boss baby. <laughs> like, mm. what? Oh. But fun, funny you mentioned Rotten Tomatoes. I, I I used to follow it a lot a good few years back. I mean, I still keep an eye on it. Yeah. But since obviously, since obviously, that's just the percentage of critics that you know right. gives it a six out of ten or better. There's a term that's tossed around, which is kind of a a poor 90% movie, which is a movie where 90% or more critics say they like it, but the majority of them yeah. are just saying it's good. And that's often a shorthand for a movie that's very unchallenging and very safe. It's still good, but very unchallenging. And you get that a lot with, you get lots of movies that are successful, but people just feel kind of eh, even though they're 90% Rotten Tomatoes. And the same, you know, goes the other way, of course. When you have a 39 and a 50, and a 51. Personally, uh, I find it's very useful to actually look at the score that's right. displayed on the side of right. Rotten Tomatoes as well, not just the percentage. I agree. That's very yeah. true. It's basically, yeah, just take everything with a grain yeah. of salt, of course, that's life. But like looking at the reviews, you have uh, people saying uh, that it's a candy coated sugar rush and mind numbing repetitiveness 
and uh, will test even the most patient parent that uh, that uh, another says. Let's see uh, that. Um, uh, young children will be entertained, but for the rest of the audience, uh, pretty colors just aren't enough. Uh, fully animated and partially boring film. Uh, let's see. Um, that adults will find it, uh, that will find it s t difficult to sit through. Um, I don't know. Like, uh, you know, I mean, everyone's opinion is their opinion. So what are you going to do? Uh, mm -hmm. You know, that's fine. Um, but uh, they blew it. It's serviceable and bland. Um, it's predictable. It's <laughs> just, uh, you know, whatever, I guess. Uh, it'd be better to stick with the Teletubbies. <laughs> um, uh, they're... Mm -hmm. Just interesting. Uh, the the rare modern kids movie that offers absolutely nothing to anyone over the age of five. Uh, the um, hey, that's a bit yeah. far. <laughs> yeah, right. Come on. I mean, twelve uh, maybe ten I could deal with, but five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just I just find it amazing that like you could see this animation and not have some. Like value in what they tried to do, but you know everybody's different. I guess. What are you gonna do? Uh, uh, I uh, I will so. say one thing. Uh, I, for the, the I mean the refugees. I do think they are kind of wrong, but not in a way that rifles me all that much. The one comment that is right for me, rifling me, is that a, a lot of people seem very unimpressed with the animation. Right. Like the yeah, and I mean, I'm sure we'll get to that later in the podcast. I'm sure, yeah. but all all I'll say is, all I'll say is that there are some, you know, beautiful sights in this in this film that uh, worth the price of admission. I don't know, but uh, uh, all I'll say is they really enchanted me. Yeah, the consensus says the the bland animation. Like there is, that's just. I'm sorry, that's wrong. It is not. <laughs> Like it is not bland animation by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. There are right. other movies that I I genuinely like that I think have bland animation. Uh, mm -hmm. You know that I'll admit. Uh, and there's movies I don't like that have good animation. But the, in this yeah. case, I, I just don't know how you argue that this is bland animation. But uh, you know, to each his own, I guess. Uh, so yeah. anyway, it's interesting. And, but I do think, I do think it, they, we do have some comments on the, I do have the chat room open and do have a comment uh, that about the product placement and, it, you know, saying that product placement has been around forever. You know, that's true. Of course you have like in Man of Steel, you have him right before a, a Sears and you have the IHOP scene and stuff like that. But I don't know. I just found it way more sort of unsettling because this was for kids and it was so predominant. That's why it kind of bothered me. So, uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about it. And mm -hmm. so, we already kind of mentioned, but sort of where were, you, what are your overall thoughts of the movie? And, and here's mine. So, my overall thoughts of the movie is that I I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was so pretty that. Uh, a lot of it kind of won me over because of that beautiful animation. And I thought 
that it was, I thought it was kind of charming. I liked it. And I, I do think that it has some problems, but like I said, most of those problems I feel like are just parts of the problems of Smurfs. And when you have characters mm -hmm. that are like basically giving the, uh, the seven dwarfs their own movie, it just makes mm -hmm. it hard. And that's kind of what you get here. And so, yeah, there's, there's certain things, but I, I, I really did. I thought I've seen it twice. I was entertained thoroughly both times and it's not like the greatest movie I've ever seen, but I, I just, I just enjoyed it. I really did. I think it's the best animation and, and maybe the best movie. I think surf's up's probably better, but it's, it's certainly up there as far as Sony animation for sure. Well, well, the only, uh, I mean, Sony animation, regardless of the quality of the animation in terms of just the films, uh, mm -hmm. the only, the only one that I felt, you know, very rather positive towards is probably cloudy with a chance of meatballs. And that's just the first one, which mm -hmm. is kind of the consensus pick, like pretty yeah. much everything else is kind of, eh, to, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I like surfs up. I actually think that open season is okay for comedy. I enjoyed it. I had some, I thought some decent laughs mm -hmm. in there. And, uh, yeah, I'm not, I mean, I think the Hotel Transylvania, I think that's okay. And the second one is okay. Uh, certainly watchable, I feel like. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the Cloudy Meat mm -hmm. with a Chance of Meatballs movies, but I know that many, 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 many people like them. So that's cool. And uh, I can Well, see this, this, is, this is just the first one you understand. The second is pretty typical. Yeah, the second uh, one is bad. Uh, uh, <laughs> Yes. The second one is terrible. Yeah. And so, yeah. And I mean, I don't know if part of it is that I know that we have Sony with the emoji movie coming out. <laughs> and so, you know, I just like, uh, I, I feel like, boy, if you give Smurfs a 39%, what's coming up for your emoji movie? I mean, I don't know. We haven't seen a second trailer. Maybe once we see the world and maybe, but I don't know about the emoji yeah. movie. Isn't the, isn't, isn't the first trailer... Just the one of the meh emoji saying variations of meh over and yeah. over or whatever. Yeah. And it has the poop, yeah. has the poop emoji that Patrick Stewart does. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, that's the one. It, it was such a stupid trailer because you have to sell us on the concept, I think, before you do something that's that cheeky. Like, like mm -hmm. it could have been maybe worked as like a third trailer. But since we haven't, like, I think if they had done a trailer where we, like, saw the world and the inside of the phone and it was, like, beautiful and, you know, we got to see kind of what's going to happen in the adventure and everything like that, then that might have worked. But but the, that med trailer I thought was horrible. Horrible. <laughs> I don't know. Did you like it? Well, I, I, I guess their thought process is that, uh, co uh, I mean, contrary to online views, especially with these animated films, the nearly all people who end up seeing it in the cinema, and I don't just mean kids, I mean the adults yeah. as well, don't see the initial trailer. It's usually just the last one, the one that's circling hmm. the rounds in the cinemas in the two months before the film comes out. That's hmm. the one that really matters. So yeah. maybe they were using this one to, I don't know, test the waters or whatever, or just, hmm. you know, as promotion at like uh, conventions where they have to pitch to people, that sort of thing, because that's how these work. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Cool. I guess that's an interesting thought because my thought was, well, you want to sell people on the first trailer, but I can see what you see. I can see what you mean. Uh, that uh, I don't know. I but I I, I don't know if it, I'd be interested to see if it works. I I I did not. I thought the Boss Baby was going to completely bomb because I hated those trailers 
maybe even worse than the Boss Baby trailers. I thought they were horrible. And uh, and the movie wasn't as bad as the trailers, but still, I thought that that movie would bomb really bad, and then, you know, it didn't. So who knows on Emoji? I have no idea. The box office is a weird thing. <laughs> well, but... <laughs> I think I think after a while, certainly uh, you and me, and to be honest, probably most uh, people of our kind of uh, millennial eighteen to thirty-five generation have gotten very used to kind of filtering trailers, like you know, seeing what it is and figuring out uh, what the movie will actually kind of be like. Not as far as you know, knowing plot spoilers, but it's certainly in terms of if it's not totally what it's like in the trailer and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, so the uh, let's talk a little bit about the story of Smarts the Lost Village. Absolutely. So the con- the concept of the story is that you have Smurfette, who is created by Gargamel out of clay. And I guess she's the only one in this world that is created by Gargamel. I don't know why he would have just stopped at creating one. But anyway, uh, so she's, he's created her. But she's had, she was originally an evil Smurf, and then she's changed by yeah. Papa's mm-hmm. magic. And I did have to wonder, <laughs> all these questions that you wonder. I think at a certain point you have to sort of accept Smurfs, kind of like you do cars. that Because like mm-hmm. it doesn't really make sense. But it is sort of weird that both Smurf villages only have one old person. <laughs> like, like, that's weird. Like, doesn't anybody age in Smurf Village? <laughs> well, they, well, they keep rebooting it. Well, it's, it reminds me of the Spider-Man thing. You, you keep rebooting it so much and going back to, okay, how did these guys get started? Or at least yeah. how did Smurfette get started? Right. I think about do they age, you never really get that far, do you? Because there's only, there's Papa Smurf and there's, uh, what's it, Smurf Willow, I think is her name. Um, the Julia... Yeah. Well, Roberts. Uh, we're probably getting a bit, we're probably getting a bit far ahead <laughs> yeah. of ourselves, though. I mean, yeah. they don't get there until over halfway into the film, right? But like, <laughs> but isn't that but weird though that like, there's only one like one old person, and then he's like the parent of all of this whole village, mm-hmm. and then all the rest seem yeah. around the same age, yeah. right? Well, well, I mean, with cartoon characters, it's never the easiest to tell what their age is, <laughs> yeah, especially true. when you have this little. Little dwarfish gnomes, and it's kind of like you. But anyway, I'm overthinking the Smurfs movie. But Smurfette doesn't have. We we find out that all of the Smurfs have one identifying characteristic, which is what gives them their name. That's why I use the the dwarf comparison. You've got clumsy, you've got brainy, you've got hefty, you've got nosy, you've got all of these different. Smurfs, yeah. and but, but Smurfette has but no pretty, no characteristic like that. Yeah. Did you like any of that? Like that sort of opening setup where you got like grumpy or or grouchy? I guess it is grouchy. And yeah, the what about the, the Smurf that the Smurf that eats the table? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, th- that that seemed to really rub you the wrong way, but it it didn't bother me all that much. The table Smurf because he only appeared in like what five shots in the whole film. Yeah. So I mean, like pretty uh, with uh, there are really only five Smurfs in the village. We need concern ourselves with, and obviously that's Papa Smurf, Smurfette, and then Hefty, Clumsy, and Brainy. Like everyone else is just a uh, what one use gags pretty much. Yeah, kind of, yeah. But I don't, it was just sort of an example of, I guess that was like the most extreme example. And I think they were kind of poking fun a little bit with the Smurfs who eat mm-hmm. the table. But 
but it's just like it's hard it's hard to have your characters grow and develop when they are mm -hmm. defined by a characteristic like that there's only so much room for them to kind of change and and you know and expand and i think that's probably why they picked the characters they picked with brainy clumsy hefty uh, and Smurfette, because none of those characteristics, unlike, say, Grouchy or Nosy, are particularly moral in their, uh, in their attribute. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, because you can have Clumsy grow more as a person and stay yeah. Clumsy. That doesn't have to change. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. Yeah, what, did you like, a, did you think any of that was funny at the beginning? Like, did you like this, the Smurfy at the table? Or is that funny? Uh -huh. Well, well, uh, well, I did think the opening five minutes was especially solid. I mean, you know, there's this, uh, there's quite this, there's a funny gag with the uh, Columbia logo that was uh, pretty funny actually. And after that, you have this uh, pan through through the forest of nature, and then you are on this village, and you have this, uh, you know, grandfatherly type narration. I think it was Papa Smurf doing it. I'm not sure, but the opening five minutes I thought was re really solid. Now, from what I understand, the uh, the majority of Smurf stuff uses the whole Gargamel created Smurfette, uh, and that's the key uh, pivotal mm -hmm. point of the plot thing. So, yeah. But this is my first real experience with Smurfs. So, uh, <laughs> and since that, you know, wasn't something that isn't in the trailers or TV spots, thank goodness, you know, uh, right. a lot of them meet sort of sitting through in silence. I was kind of thinking, like, oh, you know, yeah, this is decent. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of my experience through the whole kind of flashback uh, opening plus, you know, the whole, this is whatever Smurf, this is nosy Smurf, this is table-eating Smurf, etc. So, you know, uh, <laughs> the opening had me in, yeah. oh, I'm enjoying this material. Yeah, and well, and they didn't do the uh, the little, there's a Smurf, um, there's a Smurf uh, theme song. Na, 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 na. So they didn't do that. <laughs> so that was good. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah, I agree. It was charming. It was fun. Uh, at the beginning, and then they, uh, and then they end up, they end up going into the the or near the village. They end up getting uh, or the forest, the mm -hmm. uh, the forbidden forest, and then they end up getting captured by um, Gargamel, and Gargamel, who is or, or to be more precise, his vulture. Yeah, yeah, his vulture. That's great. That's true. And so he finds out that well, before that, Smurfette sees what she thinks is another Smurf, and she finds their hat, which is like a tan color yeah. as opposed to the white hat. Yeah. And of and, course, when Gargamel captures uh, when Gargamel captures her, uh, that's how he knows that it's not just another Smurf from the village because it ain't just this white thing. Right. <laughs> yeah. And he does a he does his. Um, experiments or whatever, and he finds out that there is this lost village, this lost uh -huh. village of Smurfs. And um, what did you think of Gargamel with Rain Wilson's performance, uh, his voice performance, his the thing with the cat, uh, his thing with his bird? Oh, well, uh, well, uh, well, I quite liked the cat and uh, the cat and vulture. I'm, uh, I mean. Uh, n not a special standout, but a, a very you know playful animation, nice reactions, all that, uh, all that stuff. And yeah. there's often fun to be had with you know silent animal characters like that that retain their animal characteristics. As for Gargamel himself, uh, I mean, I can kind of understand why many people are not liking the portrayal on the grounds that you know it's so over the top that it's, 
it, that it's impossible to take seriously. I get it, but I, I kind of think when you have a world that when you have a world like this, it's so fantastical. Uh, at least the tone they're striking that uh, I wasn't, you know, taking it uh, all that serious to begin with. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, this isn't Gargamel's uh, first, sorry, this isn't Rain Wilson's first uh, voiceover performance. He did uh, Galaxar and Monsters vs. Aliens. Is that like, that's like eight years ago now. <laughs> okay. So, uh, it's, pretty much a, it's pretty much a similar, it's pretty much, it's pretty much a similar deal to that one. Okay. Yeah, I I liked him. I thought he was fun. I I'm I'm kind of yeah. tired of the whole the I don't know the whole thing with animated films with the surprise villain like we got in Vicar oh, Six God, and yes. Frozen and uh, Zootopia and I don't know like a whole bunch of movies. I'm just sort of tired of it. Like I I, I miss sort of the the scheming <laughs> villain with the with the kettle and the you know brewy potions and the <laughs> you know kind of laugh and like I like that. I miss it. I, I mean, there's a reason that there's a reason that can't be evil over the top villains tend to stick more in the mind. I think what the studios are trying to do recently, especially Disney, because you know they've been did it four in a row, is that they're trying to you know give their villains. Uh, layers and complexity, and sometimes it works, and sometimes and sometimes it doesn't. But mm -hmm. a lot of it is all to do with audience uh, perceptions. Yeah. But uh, I don't yeah, know. I don't. I, yeah, I don't think Disney have. I just I love Ursula. Well I love Ursula. I love Scar. I love. Yeah. Uh, I, I like. I like these over-the-top fun villains. Like I miss those. Most people, most people do. I think. Yeah, I, I hope that I hope that for Gigantic, with Disney, I hope that they do a traditional villain there. I hope it's not a surprise villain. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Wreck-It Ralph. That's another uh, one. Uh, the surprise villain. Uh yeah uh, yeah well, uh, that was the one that introduced introduced it. So I. Uh, and also, that was kind of the one where I feel they did it best. So I kind of mm -hmm. like liked it in that. I know your feelings on Wreck-It Ralph aren't the most positive, <laughs> uh, so yeah. you probably won't discuss it too much here. But uh, yeah, I think I'll just they say I liked really it in well that in film. Frozen as well because the villain in Frozen didn't really matter. It's not about a villain. It's about these two sisters and yeah. uh, and the, yeah. it, so it was yeah. Like yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So anyway. Uh, I just I love Entangled. I love Gothel so much, Entangled, and so he's a oh, lot of here. Yeah. Um. So okay. Do do do. Um. Let's talk a little bit. So they decide to go, um, uh, Smurfette, and uh, Hefty, and uh, and Brainy and Clumsy decide to go into the Forbidden Forest to go to try to warn this lost village of Gargamel and that he's coming. And so they face all these different obstacles along the way. Uh, and yeah. this is when we get our first look at the beautiful animation of the law of the forbidden forest. And uh, it, what stood out to you in that, in the sort of those sequences that, that you really liked, or I guess that you might not have liked, what, what did you think? Well, I think, uh, I mean, the, uh, if you chop out credits, the film, it comes in at 81 minutes. So for me, I can very easily structurally break it down into four parts because <laughs> it was almost at exactly the 20 minute mark. I'm very good at timing these things in my head. I'm just like that mm -hmm. uh, 20 minute mark that they set out to Lost Village. So I thought this is a, that's a pretty fast first act because 
late in recent years, first acts are getting longer and longer, more drawn out. So I like that they got through that quick. So then basically the, the uh, second, first half of the second half. So, you know, minutes 20 to minute 40, uh, actually maybe add on a couple extra there at the end, is basically done to Lost Village. And that's basically, you know, a road trip movie, except, you know, what in nature, and you just keep moving through these varying obstacles. So the visuals can keep yeah. reinventing themselves. That's true. Such an asset. Yeah, there were so many things. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, think the, the highlight is this river. They, they have this amazing river that is uh, in the, oh. that's like mm -hmm. this floating river, and there's sort of like multiple layers of it, and oh my gosh, I thought it was so beautiful. Yeah, I mean, the best sites are the most otherworldly ones in this film. Like, the river is the highlight, but I mean, you have all sorts of vegetation. You have these weird otherworldly dragonflies, the glow... Uh, the glowing rabbits. Yeah. And just when they're uh, just, there's one scene midway through the thing where, you know, they're camping out, camping out for the night after taking this ride on the green rabbit. And I, and I quite like that scene because it was, yeah. you know, both a relief after all these, whoa, 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 chase moments. And also, uh, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you're not there, you're not there yet at your destination, uh, but you're nearly, but you're nearly there and you're kind of taking stock of where you are. Some yeah. predictable character moments, but that's to be expected. But sure. uh, yeah, the, Part of the movie was reasonably solid, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, that was nice scene with them, you know, sort of talking uh, over the, uh, you know, and you get some nice banter mm -hmm. between Hefty and Brainy about the the scout book and you know stuff like that, mm -hmm. uh, about staying within the rules and stuff, and and uh, the I don't know, just so many creative things. Like you had this this uh, plants that have eyeballs on them, and then there's these other plants yeah. that like eat them and then spit them out. And everything was just so vibrant and bright and beautiful. And I loved how it kind of kept this, like, the, the everything was sort of blue. It kept this blue sort of feeling. And and then the way they used sort of light and color to kind of yeah. pop out from the blue. It was really, like, I'd be interested in buying an art book for this. I, that's how much I liked it as far as the visual look of it. Oh, I yeah. thought it was so beautiful. Yeah, uh, yeah. There was a very nice article on Cartoon Brew the other day about all the uh, environmental design work on it, mm -hmm. and they often have good articles when anime movies comes out. But I thought there was an especially solid one mm -hmm. on that. So yeah, I'll have to check that out. I'll have to check that out. Mm -hmm. And they do have a scene in this section, in this middle section, where they actually save Gargamel. And I love oh, yeah. when he that, comes. That actually caught that caught me by surprise just a little. <laughs> yeah, and they when he comes out of the water and you can see him, he looks so wet and so like, mm -hmm. if you know, it had that a little bit of that photorealistic I thought quality to it. It was really cool, and mm -hmm. it was also a, a cool moment because it's um, Hefty I think he, wait, Hefty doesn't want to. I can't remember. I'm trying to think, but but it's Smurfette who decides. Basically, one of the three guys. Uh, no, I think one of the tree guys wants to, and Smurfette goes along with him, and then the other two are like, oh, I guess we gotta. Yeah, because I know Brainy doesn't want to, but I, I can't remember yeah. who else. But anyway, so, but they, they, you know, and she says, well, Smurfs, we do the right thing. And I thought that was, that was a nice little moment for kids. Mm -hmm. And so then, uh, let's see. Um, so they end up finding the lost village and this village is all women. And I did think that there was, there's this whole montage where it's like, where, where they're like watching how 
or there's this whole montage of the women Smurfs teaching mm -hmm. them how to do things. And I found it yeah. sort of like, I just felt sort of weird to me. Like, <laughs> look at how girls do things. And there's sort of this, this gender dynamic thing to this movie that I thought was sort of strange. And it was sort of felt like the male characters were just kind of, there was something sort of leering about it. Like, look how we're just going to watch you and we're going to, and I don't know, like there's just stuff that this movie said is female that I was like, huh? And then there's stuff they said that like, why is, why is yoga female? Why is archery a female thing? Like, why is, I don't know. I could just thought, I thought it was weird. Like in a way, I, th I think it might've been like cooler, I guess, to have had them be very similar uh, to the male Smurfs. Cause then I, I think that might've had like a better lesson that like, we're not that different after all, as opposed to like going through these series of montages of like, here's how, here's what girls do and here they do this and here they do this. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, you know, I don't know if that makes sense. Oh no, oh, no it makes uh, perfect sense. Well, I think the thing with, you know, the lost village of girl Smurfs is that, uh, they're basically, you know, a tribe of Amazon Smurfs, you know, they live in nature, they command, uh, animals, they do archery, all, all that stuff. It's, it's the, uh, a point I made in my review that I think sums it up pretty perfectly is that a common trap in animated films that empowerment plug is that they basically portray the males as being kind of idiotic or at least dumb. And then when you get to this powerful female group, it just portray, basically makes the females out to be doing the, the, the things the men should. Uh, yeah. In other words, they don't really have a grasp of what, you know, makes a, makes a strong woman character. Uh, I mean, it doesn't bother me all that much because, you know, this kind of gender stuff, it's not the first thing I think about, but I could see, certainly see how it could bother a lot of people. But it was hard not to think about it here. I mean, they made such a point to make, to make this dynamic of all women, all men. And so, mm -hmm. I, and Smurfette be this, you know, this sort of in-between character. So I felt like, for me at least, I felt like it was kind of hard to not kind of think about that and what they were trying to say a little bit. Mm -hmm. But I I also, this is just a nitpick, but mm -hmm. I wish that they hadn't had Smurfette wearing high heels. There's something about her character design that, I don't know, I just, I just feel, I don't know, I just felt like, I just didn't like that. I felt like there's something about sort of high heels that I feel like to, for a character to be wearing high heels and be in a house that's all pink and she's the mm -hmm. only woman. There was just something about it. I, I, I wouldn't have designed it that way. That's all I'll say. I just, yeah. <laughs> that, well, the, maybe so. Smurfettes always have high heels. I don't, I don't know, but I mean, that's such a small detail. There's no reason they know, couldn't have nitpick. changed it. If that's what she's always been like. Yeah. Because when they get to the lost village, then they all have flats. <laughs> Yeah. I like that better. I, I don't know. I just feel like yeah. that. And it's kind of like, I, I mean, don't know. Uh, obviously, obviously, you know, I'm a, I'm a guy, I'm not a girl, but I mean, people don't, uh, people don't wear high heels as much these days. I don't know. Outside of yeah. formal occasions. That's the impression I get anyway. Yeah. There's just something about it that feels sort of 1950s, sort of old fashioned. And I'm not saying yeah. that's necessarily bad, yeah. but when you're the only female character, that's the way you're being designed. I would have made a different choice. <laughs> uh -huh. Not a big deal, but I would have made a different choice. Um, I, 
I I don't know. Do you have any other thoughts about so when you, when they get to this lost village, there's characters that are very similar to yeah. characters. At least they did that. I mean, you had a Smurf, uh, Smurf Hazel, um, and they do say that uh, that the, that the, these Smurfs mean business, um, <laughs> and that they they're intimidating and that they smell nice. Is what they say, and there's just I felt like there was a lot between Brainy, like it was sort of weird because Brainy and Hefty are like taken to like a spa at one point. They're like yeah. given masks and stuff, like all this stuff that. Why is that particularly female? Like, my mother's never been to a spa in her life. Yeah. Like, I I just thought that it was there's some stuff that just seemed a little weird to me. Um, yeah. That uh, let's see. But I don't know. Did any of the characters, any of the female characters, sort of stand out to you, or that you liked? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, there's a few points you make there that are interesting. I think that scene in the spa between uh, Hefty and Brainy is Hefty and Brainy is interesting because it's kind of like it's a uh, you know they had a minor falling out earlier, but the scene between them is played as though their falling out was much much bigger. So it's kind of like it's a payoff for a subplot that wasn't set up all that well or whatever. So that was you know took me out yeah. a moment a bit. In that montage at the time i thought i was feeling like you know this is one of the really cool elements but the more i've thought about it since i realized that actually this is kind of structurally problematic uh, then when it just comes down to you know the, the female smurfs i mean uh, they're not you know defined by one trip by uh by one trait but you know stereotypes settle in pretty quick i mean you, ha you have this kind yeah. of uh suspicious suspicious cynical bossy one i think michelle Rodriguez yeah. voice her. And then you have this basically bright peppy one who's the one that keeps going, hey, 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 or, or whatever. And there was like one other one, and I literally can't remember what her trait was, but that's pretty much it. Smurf Willow, who is basically a confident, stoic leader. Yeah, I think it's a Smurf Hazel, I think, is the one that's the grumpy yeah. one. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're. Uh, I agree. Yeah. I agree with that. I mean, she... Be yeah, Smurfaces is pretty much the de definition of oh we oh we need to make a woman tough. We'll just make her uh, more tougher than any of the actual male characters in our film. It's such a yeah. tricky trope to pull off, to be honest. And, yeah, uh, it, I don't it, think I mean, it's, it's not a example. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's what I say. I think that the problems I have with this friend with this film are just that mm. I think inherent to the franchise. You know, it's a it's a mm. franchise that has all men. Are all male characters and one woman? That's the franchise. It's a it's a franchise that has characters that are defined by you know one attribute. That's the franchise. You yeah. know, like what are you gonna do? And so I think that they did their best. They tried their hardest to kind of make it uh, to make it good. And I I like I said I was entertained and um and they could have they could have made this so much more lazy. I guess that's what you like. This could have been. I don't know, just way they could they didn't need to put all that effort into that animation, into the river, into mm -hmm. the at all. Mm -hmm. And so I do give them some credit about that. Uh and so let's see here. What else do I have in my notes? I did take notes this last time. Um mm -hmm. did did you like uh, one of my friends on his uh, the um uh, LC screen talk, he didn't like how the rabbits were like horses and they were like neighing. <laughs> oh. Hmm. Yeah, I never noticed that, I mean, but it is kind of true. They definitely neigh. Uh, it's funny stuff you notice. 
I mean, you basically, in any of these, often in these types of fantastical nature films, you just have these substitutes for either, you know, land animals or flying animals. Obviously, the dragonflies are the flying animals, and then your rabbits are the land animals. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's not all that bothersome. I mean, in The Good Dinosaur, a year and a half back, they had the uh, T-Rexes galloping like horses, so you always yeah. have these horse analogs. That's true, fair so, point. I hadn't thought about that. A good I, I, to be honest, I, I completely forgotten that the rabbits acted like horses until you reminded me. <laughs> I did too until he said it in his reveal. That's funny. How did you feel about how they treated Hefty? Because I felt like he, he, was, he was very defensive, very protective of Smurfette. Uh, and they were very, mm -hmm. not only brainy, but I feel like all the characters were kind of like, uh, kind of treated him in a dismissive way. Uh, that uh, that they were pretty oh. tough on him. Well, if you take the three uh, Smurfs, the, those three male ones, you know, Hefty, Brainy, and Clumsy. I mean, Bra uh, Brainy and Clumsy are very uh, e easy to write stereotypes. I mean, Brainy, he, uh, he's the smart guy. He's the bookworm. You get that a lot. Clum Clumsy, he's the mess up. But then, I mean, Hefty, it's not exactly the most obvious uh, defi definition. Like, you know, it's, it's a bit more vague. So on the one hand, that gives him... He pro he definitely has the most room uh, to branch out of his stereotype of the tree, but I think that's all that, like you said, that results in the others kind of giving him a hard time along the way. I mean, along the way, you have every variation of two male Smurfs scanning up on the other male one. You have that triangle playing out all yeah. three ways, but, but you definitely get the hefties, the solo one, the other two are ganging up on him more than the other possibilities. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because, I mean, you, you kind of get heroic mom moments for Clumsy, and you get it for uh, for yeah. Brainy, because he designs mm -hmm. the the raft and stuff. But I don't know. I, I feel like Hefty's always kind of... Uh, although I yeah. think I had written down in my notes that it was Hefty who decided to save Gargamel. So, I don't know. Yeah. That's just what well, I've written well, down. To be fair... To be fair, if they hadn't saved Gargamel, they would have gone down the river the way he went down, and instead of ending up at the Lost Village, they would have ended up at the place Gargamel ended up at. Yeah, that's true. Good point. Um, so then... I'm uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Just just on that, I mean, I, I haven't obviously re-seen the film the way you have, but you know the reveal they have where the females first point out that what they thought were trees was actually waterfalls? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'm thinking like, wait, the maps earlier, uh, the, the way they were drawn, they even upside down, I can't see how they would look like waterfalls the way they were draw, drawn on the map. And it's just like one of those conceptual things that feels off, but you don't yeah, notice it because that would require rewatching the film. <laughs> yeah, because it does, things. like, if you're designing a, uh, if you're designing a map, like you, uh -huh. like you wouldn't include the foam that comes off the waterfall in the in the picture of the waterfall. Like I've never seen mm -hmm. that before. So yeah, yeah that's good. That's true point. And so and, uh, anyway... just one more thing. There, uh, just one more thing. On the ha there was a point at the halfway point where, you know, the four of them are on the rabbit and they're galloping and they think they see the trees in the distance. So they gallop towards it. And afterwards I thought, wait, but if the trees were actually waterfalls, what the heck was that? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's a good point. So you're you're getting a lot of love in the chat room, I, I should say. There's a Jamie Highland oh, uh, and a Mick Moran that are in the chat room talking about you. Oh, 
uh, uh, <laughs> it would be college friends of mine. Ah, okay, cool. <laughs> I mean, I can't see the chat room right now, but uh, hey, guys. Hey, <laughs> please subscribe to my channel too. Um, okay, so he ends up Gargamel. He does some pretty coming. good content. Thanks. Mm -hmm. um, so Gargamel guns are yeah. coming, and and he takes all the Smurfs. And uh, and then he takes him to his lair or whatever, and Smurfette ends up basically kind of sacrificing herself for yeah. the to save everybody else, all the other Smurfs, and she ends up turning back into clay. And yeah. so there's sort of this. There's a lot of sort of. I never thought I'd say this, but there's a lot of savior metaphors in the Smurfs movie because you have she's the uh, she's sort of like a child of a god. She's somebody different than than anybody else in the whole village. She and then mm -hmm. she ends up sacrificing herself for everybody in the 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 village and uh, kind of bringing them all together. And uh, they're of course all very sad. And mm -hmm. yeah, so up until that point, what did you, what do you think about that? Did you think it was impressive that they were willing to kind of have a loss like that and have that emotion, or did it come off as cloying to you? Well, I mean, it's, uh, it's hardly the first film to basically do a very very obvious religious allegory in the final act. I mean, you see that a fair bit, especially these days. So. Yeah, it didn't strike me as all that unusual. I mean, it, it was painfully obvious that she obviously wasn't going to die. The only right. question was that you know why would she come back to life? And I'll be honest, the answer the answer was a very bit cloyingly. I think the weakest section of the movie it's it's definitely the third act, uh, if mm -hmm. I'm being frank, which mm -hmm. uh, is a pretty easy thing to say, not just in animation but in movies in general, because you know they get all action heavy and then denouement wrap up everything's hunky dory uh whatever problems we had before the action went down or resolved because we worked through it you know yeah so that's true and it seems like there are a lot of movies where the the character you know like we're gonna see it coming up in a in the justice league where we're gonna get a, a rebirth of a superman <laughs> you know, we do see that quite a bit where it's like exactly that. Like we know for sure that she's coming back. So there's not, not that same like tension and there's not a, a, but I think for a kid, I think that it would be kind of upsetting. Don't you think to see Smurfette, like we're old and jaded, but uh, to see Smurfette mm -hmm. die, I think that would be pretty sad for a kid. Yeah, I, de I definitely read a few parents commenting on that, that they thought that up to that point it was safe, harmless fun, but at that point they were like, if I'd known this was going to be in the film, I would not have taken my kid to see this. I mean, well, so I mean, on the same breath, definitely like, kicked up a fuss. Yeah, I mean, on the same breath, like, when I look at the movies that we got in the 80s, the animated films, like, they were way, mm -hmm. <laughs> they were so much more, like... Then we get now, like, I mean, The Secret of Nim, that thing gets rough. Yeah. And uh, the uh, uh, Land Before Time, American Tale, like, those movies are pretty dour. And if you, if you watch them now, yeah. so I, I I don't know. I, I mean, yeah. you go back even, of course, you've got your Bambi and your Pinocchio. I mean, those movies get mm -hmm. really mm -hmm. tough. So. Standards just, standards just keep changing all the time. And with budgets being so heavy these days, uh, a lot of the time that results in, you know, safe, sanitized products. Yeah. So, and even when, you know, moments like this Christ allergy sneak in, it still feels very heavily calculated. So it yeah. doesn't stir up a whole lot of positive feelings. 
that's true. That's true. Well, and it's hard in your movie when, I mean, because Pixar certainly does that. You certainly had it with Bing Bong. And at least, I guess, with Bing Bong, they had the guts to not oh, make yeah. him, you know, come back. Like, that was pretty bold. Uh, but it's, it's, it's harder, I think, in a movie where you're making j- butt jokes and you're making, you know, and you have an over-the-top Gargamel kind of a thing to then pull off all of a sudden and get really serious. And, you know, it's not like they were doing that yeah. in Land for Time or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty typical comic. It's pretty typical comedy becomes action drama in the third act uh, yeah. thing. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, so yeah, and of course, so then they all hold hands. They all uh, say things about Smurfette and their magic Smurf powers end up bringing her back to life. And and uh, so mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of a nice message, a nice moment. But uh, it, I agree, yeah. it, it could have maybe been. Yeah, I just kept thinking, like, there was a side of me that felt like, boy, maybe they took this just, like, they were trying so hard to make it good, that maybe they were trying almost, they took it a a little bit too seriously. (laughs) Maybe they should have toned it down just a hair. (laughs) And and just remember, they're making a Smurfs movie. (laughs) But, But, yeah, and then you've got your, of course, they have to finish it off with your obligatory dance number. Like, why do you think that so many animated films have this? Why is it so popular? Like, there's so many animated films that end with this, like, dance montage. What's funny is that I think the whole dance number ending, it's, it had been dying off a bit in recent years, but in the, la- in the last two years, it's seen a small resurge. I mean, it's like, in Zootop- uh, like Zootopia did it. Now, I think it did it reasonably well, all things considered. But, yeah. I, but my reaction was like, come on, Disney, you're definitely better than this. And Yeah, I mean, Hotel Transylvania 2, Trolls, uh, Sing. Well, t- t- Trolls yeah. did, well, didn't well, it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I can, I can excuse it in Trolls because the thing about Trolls is that it's, it, DreamWorks have done like what 25 films, but that's the first one where the dance party, the whole dance song thing, it's part of the plot. I mean, the chief objection to them is that you know they just come out of nowhere to give a poor sense of resolution, but in Trolls, it, le- it at least felt genuine. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was pretty cool on that one. So I guess you... it all depends on the. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, no, I was done. Go on. Yeah, I was just going to say, so would you, do you think uh, Trolls is better than Smurfs Lost Village? Yes. Uh, I. Uh, I mean, Tro- Trolls is one of those fil- one of those films where some uh, a lot of the obnoxious as- aspects were barely present. Like I thought the characters were uh, flat but agree flat but agreeable. I actually quite liked the music numbers, mostly the well more than I thought I would. Mostly the original ones more than anything, yeah. like uh, Get Back Up Again, and then uh, uh, I think the other two I, that really gelled with me are probably the bits where they use Sound of Silence and True Colors. Bit divisive, I know, but uh, and then also just because I'm uh, so into animation technically, like I tried to get into animation college and didn't, but uh, uh, I still maintain a very techni- technical interest in terms of being wowed. So the, mm-hmm. you know, the thing Trolls does with textures, not just the hair, but the fur, the scrapbooks. Everyone has this yeah. fuzzy element. It's as close as I've ever seen to a film that literally felt as if you know a child made it with toys in a professional manner. And I just love the look so much. Uh, obviously, Smurfs isn't nearly as visually agree as agreeable as that. I mean, it is still a sixty million dollar film, not a one twenty five one. But mm-hmm. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, so like, I felt like the Trolls was very uneven. For every song I liked, there'd be a song I didn't like. For every vocal performance I liked, there'd be a vocal performance I didn't like. I, I really didn't like the whole My Fair Lady section of it, where they're, like, trying to... Oh, yeah. I really, I, I didn't like that. Um, there mm. were some touching moments. There were some sweet moments. I thought that... Uh, I, that I, I agree with you completely on the visuals. For sure, uh, there were a couple moments though where uh, I felt like, yeah. boy, I, they I think, forgot about I that. Think, <laughs> I think with trolls, it's just the case that uh, the the bad elements. Uh, the movie doesn't put so much energy in that direction. It just, uh, even when it's going through the motions, like with the whole uh, scullery maid Cinderella plot, it's clear mm -hmm. that its energy is focused on the more agreeable elements. So, it, so it ends up being better than the sum of its parts. If yeah. you know what I mean, just a little. I, yeah, that's. I mean, I also had some issues with the messaging of the movie. My, I know that I'm probably overthinking it, but I felt like it kind of annoyed me that the sort of the attitude of the movie I felt like was that everyone had to have be happy doing the same things. Like, no, there was no like diversity. Everyone had to like scrapbooking. Everyone had to like to sing. Everyone had to like to dance, or you were like a horrible person. You know, it's like I don't know. It kind of that that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. That like why there was just this 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 sort of this narrow view of what happiness could be and what a person could enjoy and be and and uh, so I don't know. I felt like I didn't really like that part of it too. <laughs> again, again, you are right. It's it, it uh, as I say. I just don't, I don't think the even though it seems to push. Uh, energy uh, into that direction. I think even when you know that it's going through those character moments and message moments, it focuses on kind of other elements, so it doesn't bother me all that much. Yeah. That and uh, you, you know, whether I, whether I think about a message in a movie or whether I don't, uh, it really just depends on the on the film, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So I mean, I, I Trolls, still would give it a positive review, and I still and and I actually oh. I liked it a little bit better when I saw it more, like those things that kind of turned me off at first. Mm -hmm. So I raised my grade mm -hmm. and that's not, I have to admit, that's not that uncommon for me. And mm -hmm. uh, as I don't know, that's just, I, yeah. that happens to me quite a bit. And I, I think I went from it being like a, a C then to like a C plus. And I think I might even have moved up to a B minus, but, uh, but with Smurfs Lost Village, I gave it a B minus. And then I moved up to a B just because I, I don't know. I just, I just thought, I thought it was charming. I thought it had good animation. I thought it had, uh, I, I don't know. I guess it's flaws I was able to ignore and deal with and uh, didn't, you know, didn't bother me too much, but I like both the movies. I, I don't think a movie has to be perfect for me to like people. Sometimes people think, Oh, you gave yeah. it a C plus. You must hate it. I'm like, no, I actually think <laughs> I enjoyed it. <laughs> I thought it was good. Um, yeah. me, uh, I, I don't have to, I don't know. It, it's tricky. That's why I debate about giving grades at all because that, that's why I'm going to try this new system where I just say it's smile worthy or frown worthy because yeah, really I can admit that, yep, there's that problem. There's that problem. And I didn't really like that part, but overall I left with a smile on my face. Overall I liked it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I suppose that's the problem with like numerical or grading systems. Uh, systems they tend they encourage very uh, redu uh, reductive viewings. Like yes. when you have things like that, uh, people will just skip to the grade, skip to the grade or the number, and automatically make an uh, automatically make an assumption. Like I don't really uh, you know give like a score or whatever in my, yeah. in my reviews. I mean I'm still new enough at them. I've only done like 
five, six, six so far. So it's kind of like I hope my thoughts speak for myself. Mm -hmm. But just for one thing, what you said about trolls is interesting. My opinion kind of changed about it too. In my original review, I was basically like uh, a bit better than the DreamWorks norm, but uh, but still uh, not not that worth checking out. But I basically met, moved up to actually this is kind of agreeable. The screen the screenplay is certainly riddled with problems, but there are yeah. a lot of other aspects I really like. So obviously opinions change. Yeah, uh, so that's like, another reason yeah. why I'm that comfortable with numerical gradients because it's kind of like. This is what this is your opinion on the film for now and forevermore. It can never change, which yeah. ain't a good thing necessarily. I agree. I agree. I mean, I just feel like with Smurfs, The Lost Village, the message was that Smurfette could be anything that she wanted to be. And that was the end that I think kids will take away from it. Whereas I do feel like the message of trolls is that that you have to be happy. And that's the that's the acceptable mm -hmm. kind of that's the acceptable life experience is you have to be happy. Yeah. And if you're not happy, then you're doing something wrong and you need to be happy. And that there's only certain things that will make you happy, you know, like, and it compared to, I guess, compared to inside out or compared to something like that, where it was so much richer as far as the, the experiences of a child and mm -hmm. uh, that it's okay to be sad. They actually need sadness to be happy that like you need both. And, uh, and so I, I, I guess that's why I would personally give Smurfs the Lost Village a hair over because I did like that end message that you know of Smurfette that she can be anything that she wants to be. And uh, so anyway, I like that. But um, but they're they're similar. I'd say they're they're pretty close. Yeah. Both movies. They and they yeah. have different strengths and different weaknesses. So mm -hmm. yeah, I, I mean that's all kind of the notes that I had. Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to add? Oh, oh, I forgot one thing. Um, um, what about the music? What do you think of the music? Oh, uh, uh, Smurfs, yes. right? So the score okay, uh, and then all see. these pop songs that they had. Well, I mean, as I was, I was kind of aware that there were pop songs in it, but when, when the credits rolled around, I thought to myself, how many were actually in the movie? And I thought, uh, now I could be remembering wrong, but I thought not that not that many. I mean, you, you had a uh, what? There was one in, during the Smurf boarding sequence, and there was uh, you know the dance party ending, and I think maybe they used one during the uh, you know montage in the village uh, later yeah. on. But I I couldn't think of really any more, and and it was kind of more the case where they where a lot of it has to do with the mixing sometimes I feel whether it's played so that the song is kind of projected in a obnoxious manner. So they didn't feel projected that obnoxiously. So obviously pop songs being overused is a bad thing, but if they didn't bother me all that much as for the score, uh, I'm struggling to like remember any of the musical cues though, to be fair, I did see it once. Uh, mm -hmm. I have only seen it once, but yeah. uh, it seemed, it seemed fine, I guess. Uh, nothing yeah. really much to say there. I just think it was a bit of a missed opportunity because I think you could have used music to kind of add sort of the mystical, wonderful kind of feel and uh, and had songs that kind of gave that feel. Like I think it would have been more if they, mm -hmm. I don't know, I mean just throw like something like Celtic Women yeah. or something like that. Like just something more sort of uh, mystical and, and, and calming and, and whatever kind of a thing would have been more sort of appropriate to the world building and the adventure as opposed to the the pop songs you know and i mean uh, that kind of took me out of the movie a couple times yeah although there were, uh 
Uh, one other comment that uh, that I think is interesting is, you know, the way after they've uh, defeated Gargamel and obviously they think Smurfette has gone forever, and then uh, they bring the girl Smurfs back to their village too because, you know, Gargamel doesn't know where the Smurfs village is, but he does know where the girl Smurfs lost village is. So the impression I got throughout that ending was that are the girl Smurfs like staying in the in the boy Smurfs village now? And yeah, I it was, was kind of it, it was kind of like that, but it was that I was confused by yeah. that too. Again, probably overthinking the Smurfs lore and everything. But but now are they? Because yeah. so like when they're separated, there there obviously is no need to like mate or anything because there's only. Um, I mean, I guess unless they're. Uh, it was, I mean, I don't know. And maybe they, who knows? They could like hatch eggs. I have no idea like how they procreate. I don't want to overthink that oh, one. Oh, but like, I, I didn't mean, I didn't mean like that. Nothing like that. But like, God, no. no, but I'm like now all of a sudden, cause it's, you definitely got the impression that, <laughs> that the Julia child, the Smurf Willow or whatever. And like Papa Smurf are all going to be like hooking up or something. And like hefty and Smurfette. And you're like, yeah. are now are all, <laughs> it's like, yeah. what? I'll be honest. Like when they, uh, when they, uh, up until you know, uh, uh, up until you know, Gargamel captured them. I just, I, I'd assume that the ending would go the way they do. They defeat him, but I, but I just, uh, but I just thought that you know, you know, the boy Smurfs would go back to their village, the girl Smurfs with theirs, and Smurfette, you know, had that choice: should she stay with the girl, uh, girl Smurfs that's raised earlier? And I thought she'll have a tough decision, but she'll decide to stay with the friends she's gr grown up with, despite everything. Yeah. But then they go and put them together in the same village, and it's kind of like she doesn't. Even, she didn't even have to make that choice. Yeah, so I true. thought they kind of dropped the character moment up there. That's a good point. Yeah, I'm like, but I because I was wondering, I'm like, all of a sudden, because it's so weird that even uh, that the leader of both villages would both have red hats, like. That. Like, what are the chances? Like, they don't, all the other characters don't have red hats. Like, that's so weird. Uh, like, because they have tan hats, the girls, and white yeah. hats, the boys. But, but, but yeah, both leaders both have red hats. And so it's like, well, are those two going to get together? Or, <laughs> you know, what's, what's funny is when I was watching the film, uh, when I was watching the film, I kind of thought, well, call a fan theory, if you will, came into my head, <laughs> yeah. which is that when Pop, when Papa Smurf, uh, caught up to them, which of course he did. That it would it would turn out that he and Smurf Willow knew each other. That's yeah. like, and we get this sort of backstory that originally that uh, boy and Smurf uh, they've been in one village together, some other village, but Gargamel had destroyed it, and so they'd split up. And for some convoluted reason, yeah. they decided to split the boy and girl Smurfs up. So basically, like Papa Smurf knew about the lost village and that there were girl Smurfs there, and that he didn't want them to go there. And you know, when they all found that out. Smurfette and the other guys would be mad with him. So I thought there would be that kind of background lore. And I did too. Nothing, <laughs> nothing like that at all. I don't know why. I just think that's funny. I mean, the idea of kind of like, are they gonna, are Smurfs going to get together? Like, you're just thinking, I'm 36 years yeah. old. Why am I? Just makes me laugh. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I, I did kind of wonder about that. That was funny. Um, so, but who knows what's going on with the Smurfs? We probably won't find out because I doubt there'll be a sequel to this one, unfortunately, because it didn't do very yeah. well. It only made 14 yeah. million opening weekend, which I, I mean, just mm -hmm. kind of shocking when uh, the Ice Age fifth Ice Age movie made 21 million in America uh, opening weekend. <laughs> I mean, this is yeah. way better than that. I mean, come on. And I don't know. It's frustrating to yeah. me. Uh, well, I mean, Obviously, you know, given since I don't live in the states, I do pay uh, good attention to state grossings. But I yeah. notice foreign ones 
obviously the exception was that you know this film will do in the states but it'll make plenty of bank elsewhere and what's weird i mean it's still too early to say for sure but it looks as though the film is underperforming in the rest of the world as well and if i'm being honest this could worldwide we could be only talking like 200 million maybe a bit more so it'll probably land in the it'll make it'll be profitable for the studio but they definitely won't make definitely won't make a sequel yeah. especially seen as with foreign uh, the way theatrical things work in the rate in the states you know they get about 50 to 55 percent of their of the box office money the studio does it, elsewhere in the world the ratio is a bit lower so if you see two movies that made the same amount worldwide if one of them made more in the states than the other then that technically means a little more money for the distributor yeah so when this has when this movie will be like what 20 percent in the states it uh it won't it, that that's something else to factor into yeah like you so want to sure, yeah double definitely your, no sequel yeah you definitely want to d- try to double your budget stateside if you can uh this one yeah. it's not going to because it's just barely getting to 60 million it's 58 million mm-hmm. right now and i just don't see it mm-hmm. uh doing that with guardians of galaxy and other things coming out but oh well it's not like the greatest movie i've ever seen but i just well, i just enjoyed well, it i liked it Maybe, maybe not. I mean, the, the impression I get with Smurfs is that, unlike other animated films, that you know, a, a, I mean, pa- parents are basically going to take this to kids to you know be a babysitter for them. And there's also the matter of yeah, next animated. We're not getting any other animated films until June, where we have three of them: Captain Underpants, Cars Three, and Despicable Me Three. So, uh, I mean, obviously, Boss Baby has clearly already stolen most of this film's audience, but but it could still be a case where it'll have decent legs for its opening. So I could see this having like a, a times four multipiler. So hmm, it should still make it to 50 million anyway. Well, and it'll do well in Japan because I, I so. at least I've heard the Smurfs are pretty popular in Japan. They're like, oh, are they? yeah, that's just what I heard. So oh, but, that doesn't surprise me. At all. That, that makes sense. Cause there's this Finnish series called the movements, which was made, it's like decades old, but it's, it was very popular in Japan. It had its like own anime and TV movie and everything. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, okay. yeah. Which one do you think out of those three? I'm curious. Uh, we're getting off the track, but out of, uh, cars, three captain underpants and despicable me, how, we, how do you think those will do those three? Uh, in terms of the movie's quality or financial? Well, I guess both, but partic- I was thinking particularly uh, box office. Because like, I'm working on right now, I'm working on formulating okay. my top 10 of the summer. And I'm just not sure because mm-hmm. uh, Cars 3, it's easy to write it off, but those mer- that merch still sells. And my friends, uh, there's like a traveling cars exhibit kind of thing. Like, not exhibit, but mm-hmm. yeah. uh, like where they get a meet the care like they get to you know see the cars and stuff like that the kids and and like a bunch of my friends are going to it with their kids their kids are really excited so i think there's still a lot of love for that franchise was with kids uh but then and i think yeah. the trailers have been excellent and i think the captain underpants I, I know that book has a lot of fans and yeah. i mean there's still a lot of people who love if, if, if me if i may say something yeah please uh well, a, a fair amount of DreamWorks books, ha- sorry, DreamWorks films have been based on bo- children's books, but they're usually children's books that not like not like a huge portion of children have read, so they can kind of like change lots of details. Smirk Shrek was one, uh, Boss Baby was another, uh, right. Home was based on one, and those are just the obvious examples. But this is the first time, to my knowledge, that they're adapting a book that you know most adults will have heard of. So right, that's a good no, point. It's no quiz. 
it's no coincidence that this seems to be much closer to the source material. So, I mean, predicting uh, what I think Captain Underpants will that it could either go one of two ways. It, it is a series I grew up with. It could it could either be uh, basically a completion a completion of her farce that's a chore chore to sit through. It could be it could kind of be it is obviously going to be immature and a farce. But I think if it kind of you know commits itself to from the child's point of view and despite you know all the mm -hmm. uh, cynicism and jokes have has a sincere and sweet meaning behind that it could be agreeable like i if it all goes well i could i could see myself liking it more uh than uh, smurfs or boss baby for instance like i could see it being a comfortable yeah. seven out of ten if all goes well yeah. how much it costs because they outsourced it to uh, a studio in Canada, the, the name is escaping me, Micro Studio, I think. Yeah, no, I heard something like that, that, that the main DreamWorks team had almost nothing to do with it. Yeah. But, uh, well, I think, yeah, so... I, I yeah, I, I, I think that I'll probably like Cars 3 the best, just because mm -hmm. the animation will be really good, and I think it's getting back to a lot of uh, yeah. the original movie, which I actually quite like very much and I think mm -hmm. I'll like that one the best I think Captain Underpants will be good but uh, it'll be interesting to see because I, I was telling my friend I'm like it'll probably be really good but like most DreamWorks movies it'll probably that are good they it's like I feel like the DreamWorks movies that are good don't make money and the DreamWorks movies that are bad make money <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so I, I don't know I, I think that'll make the least of the three but I but there is that fandom so who knows uh, and despicable me, it's just you you can't argue against illumination at this point, like as far as the box office. Yeah. They just they never don't deliver as far as box office. I mean, all of their movies have scored, except for maybe Hop. Yeah. Like even the Lorex, which is horrible. I hate it. And it still made a boatload mm -hmm. of money. Minions made over a billion dollars, and it was, in my opinion, I really didn't like it. And so no. I don't know. That's just amazing. I mean, I, I think you got to say that Despicable Me is going to be number one out of these three. And then I think that Cars 3 will be number two at the box office. And then uh, and then Captain Underpants. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, all things considered, I could see Despicable Me dipping a bit below number two in the Minions at the UX box office. And it's really, it's so hard to predict what films will do outside the US other than a bit kind of vagueness because factors can shift so much. So all I can really say is that it, uh, it may break a billion, but I don't think it'll do what min Minions did worldwide so, uh, somehow. Yeah. Just just something like, it could be like Shrek the Third, where we start to see people losing interest a bit, uh, just a little. Mm -hmm. That's kind of my take. I, it's funny you mentioned Cars 3, because I remember, you know the way Cars 2, even though it came out five years later and had 3D inflation all that, it made like 50 million less in the States. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I heard a lot of people, you meant uh, a lot of people who kind of like that kind of NASCAR scene were really turned off because, you know, it had this European car scene that they basically did not give a crap about. Oh, interesting. Um, now, I'm, and I think to myself, that's got to be a very small portion of the, uh, uh, of the fan base because it still has a very kind of kiddie, cute, friendly look. But who knows? I, I could see Cars 3 opening less than Cars 2, but, you know, having better legs, so legs. it could actually... Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, uh, that's I mean, true. I, I could see it, too, especially if it... Uh, 
Um, I mean, so the original made two hundred million dollars in the. I mean, not the original. The the second one made two hundred million dollars in the states, uh-huh. and uh, I I certainly I feel like Cars Three will will at least will get there. Will will match the second one. I feel like um, unless it's awful, and then it won't. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, which I don't think well, it will be. Even if it doesn't, they don't need it to because of the all the merchandising money. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. It's very true. Do you know that it makes almost as much money in merchandising as Star Wars? I found that amazing. It would. I mean, no, that. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. I mean, when I think of you know Pixar franchise, says I, I I can even without looking at statistics, I can pretty easily think which are the most reliable to merchandise. Yeah. And uh, until Cars came along, Toy Story was obviously the front leader. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, but obviously it's now Cars and Toy Story. And to be honest, I think the only other ones that still sell a regular amount of merchandise, you know, when there's not a new film, it would probably be Finding Nemo. And you see a bit of Monsters Inc. stuff, but most mm-hmm. of the others are pretty much combined to when there's new media. And you yeah. get that with lots of animated films. You know, a film comes out, you get merchandise. They see if it hit, if it you know stick with the waters, and if it does, they keep making it. Like Frozen didn't have a huge amount of merchandise when it came out. It yeah, wasn't until the legs true. started kicking in and uh, people realized that. Yeah, it was not the Christmas of 2013 that was the frozen holiday season in terms of like parents buying stuff for their kids. It was right. the 2014, which was a year later. Like, when was the last time we saw that? I can't, yeah, I don't know. That's true. Well, and that really annoyed me too about Moana that people were like, oh, it was a disappointment. I'm like, no, it's not. It still made a lot of money. It still did very well. And it, and I feel like it's growing. Moana grew. It, I feel like the love for it is only growing as it's coming out on DVD. And I see kids like yeah. listening to it, loving it. And I, I think that it did fine. They're very happy with it. Uh, but the idea that every movie has to be frozen, is just absurd. Like that was lightning in a bottle. It's just like, Mm -hmm. it was frozen was in the top 10 at the box office from November of 2013 until April. I mean, can you imagine like that? I mean, maybe that happened with force awakens, but that's about it. I mean, that's epic for a new movie, not part of a franchise, like to be in the top 10 that long. What was the last movie to do that? James Cameron's Avatar, maybe? That's the only one that springs to mind. Yeah, it's it, probably Avatar. Uh, but, I mean, that's just crazy legs. Crazy, crazy legs. And so yeah. I, I think that uh, that people comparing Moana or anything else to Frozen is just ridiculous because uh, it was just one of those rare instances yeah. that don't happen every day. Well, but I anyway, mean, we it, got enough track, but but uh, but it's sort of fun to speculate and talk about yeah. this. <laughs> I, I might just say, say one thing is that it's basically repeating history because in the 90s you had the Lion King's Gargantua and Take and Disney animations, Disney executives seem to be under the impression that, you know, uh, that every film must hit that threshold and it didn't. But I think the ex- Disney executives realize that, you know, not every film can do what Frozen did and that's okay. Like they definitely yeah. realize that now. So, right. and for, for all that, you know, Disney markets uh, their stuff a lot and keeps uh, making money heavy decisions and what have you, like any other company. I think one thing I do like, the fact that they have all these things to basically keep the characters relevant in people's minds, you know, they have ABC and Disney Channel, they have uh, all the theme parks yeah. around the world to keep the characters alive in people's minds. And however much money it costs to go to Disneyland or whatever, because obviously it is expensive. Uh, that is something I'm, you know, totally on board with because 
keeping these characters alive in people's minds. I don't have, I kind of a cynical bone in my body uh, against that. And, you know, that we can still be in a world where, sure, sure, maybe Wana won't have that much franchise merchandise a year from now, if any at all, but it, it'll still, you know, live in people's minds at least for a while, more so than other films. That's the power of Disney. Yeah. Uh, so, a bit corporate perhaps but it's also the magic and I, I think that's why disney sticks with a lot of adults yeah i do wish though that disney would be more consistent in their marketing like i feel like they pick in advance heroes and losers and they decide work i mean mm-hmm. I, probably all the studios do this but it just annoys me particularly with disney because they uh i feel like there's g- really great films that if they just invested a little bit more in the marketing that they i think would do better and uh, and and i just see them they kind of like the good dinosaur, for instance, I think they just yeah. decided from the beginning that that was going to be a loser. And, uh, and I know a lot of people loved it. I thought it was great, but my sister was at Disney world where they have a dinosaur ride right before good dinosaur came out. And she said there was nothing there at all about good dinosaur. And, and I don't know. So it's just, I, I just get frustrated. Like I felt like they dropped the ball on peach dragon, which was great. And they didn't advertise that I think effectively or enough. They, they didn't advertise queen of Cotway hardly at all. And so nobody saw it. And that was a great movie. They had, I, I don't know. I just, sometimes it's frustrating to me that I feel like you have these great products. Why don't you, why don't why don't you at least try, like, you know, uh, to advertise them a little bit better? I don't know. I, anyway, that's just a frustration on my part that yeah. uh, the, uh, the it, company. It, it's funny you mentioned that. You know the way uh, back in 2004, Pixar was going through rough times at Disney and it looked like they weren't going to stay together? Yeah. Yeah, and, well, uh, at the time, Pixar was making Ratatouille, of course, and then when Disney bought Pixar, what's funny is that Ratatouille is, pro- is the only film... Disney, uh, Disney Pixar made that Disney never greenlit. When Disney completed their, you know, the buying transaction, Ratatouille was too far in production to not greenlit. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was obviously a film that they didn't know how the hell to market. And around the time, Disney basically adopted a stance of not putting into production any films that they don't know how to market. Mm-hmm. To market Ratatouille well enough that you know it did make a fair amount of money. Especially, uh, you know, in Europe, it was a huge hit in France and Germany, for instance, for obvious reasons. So, right. Uh, that in the last ten years, Disney has had a lot less flops than it had in the years prior. If you look at the list of films they have any every year, it's actually a much smaller list than, say, in the early two thousands, late nineties. Uh, obviously, there's a lot yeah. more hits because you know they got Star Wars, they got all the Marvel stick, they got Pixar, they got Disney. And basically, uh, then they have the small selection of more maybe adult dramas, and that's about it. But they're yeah. almost all hits, except for that last thing. Yeah, it's yeah. true. I mean, you can't deny it. Last year was epic for Disney. I just, I, I just particularly uh, the particularly Pete's Dragon, the BFG, and I, I thought Queen of Cotway. I thought they just, I thought those movies could have done better. And I'm not saying those are yeah. perfect movies, but I really, I, I really lo- loved. Peach Dragon and Queen of Cotway, particularly, and I, I appreciated BFG. I think those three movies I think could have done much better if they had been marketed effectively. So that was just my frustration. Yeah. I, I feel like sometimes they just decide from the beginning, this is a hero, this is a loser, and you know we're not gonna <laughs> we're not gonna market yeah. it. And uh, anyway, yeah. so what that, are you gonna do? That's basically studio practice. You know, they pick the uh, they get to a point where they're like, okay, what films have we gone for? 
production to be released this year. Uh, okay, that'll uh, we'll put effort into that. We want that, etc. But it's, I mean, they kind of do that when they're at the stage that you know the films are nearing production, so they have to have to release them. It sometimes feels like they don't realize uh, how are we going to market this until it's too late, at least for yeah. the users. But oh well. Yeah, interesting. Anyway, <laughs> we we've gotten way off topic, but it's it's fun yeah. to I can't resist, right? Uh, so nah. uh, yeah, I mean, what are you most looking forward to coming up in animation? It's a rough year. Oh. I'm really not looking forward to that much, but uh, I mean, I mean, it is a uh, it is a rough year. It is a rough year, like especially after the three summer three main summer ones: Cartoon Car Pants, Cars Three, Disney Three. I mean, uh, after that, for the rest of the year, the the only one that looks positive in my head is, and yeah. the rest is kind of uh, like, like I thought Lego Ninjago would be nice, but I think the trailer has actually turned me off on that one a bit. It looks like the the kind of wish and uh, adult appealing elements that was in the Lego Movie and still in Lego Batman a bit is kind of you know pretty much all gone. It, like it looks just like a high budget version of a Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah, I know. I wasn't that high yeah. on that trailer. The uh, the I feel like the dad mm -hmm. character in that trailer is very similar to Lego Batman. You know the way his sort of sarcasm and it's very like it seems yeah. very similar to me. And I liked Lego Batman very very much, but I I don't know. We'll see. I hope it's good. I mean, the, I like the other two so. I guess yeah. man, I, I did not like I mean, the Lego Ninjago short yeah. though before Storks. I did not like that at all. Isn't that the one with the master and the chicken? Yeah, I didn't like that. Oh yeah. So that made me. Well, wait, what's funny is when I saw Lego. When I saw Lego Batman, it was with an advanced screening, and it was actually a couple of days before the proper Lego Ninjago trailer came out. So it, they actually had that short playing in front of it again, and when it came up, I was like. Oh God, not this again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, so yeah, the emoji movie, I'm really not excited about. We already talked about that, but oh. um, I am looking forward to a couple indies that I think look promising. I, I, I want to see oh, yeah. uh, the breadwinner. I'm really excited for. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then, well, well oh, sorry, go ahead. What, what we should remember is, well, I mean, the breadwinner is, uh, is being made in Ireland. I, I know the studio cartoon saloon quite well, of course. Yeah. And, they did the same thing with Song of the Sea. Like when oh. 2014, they said the film would be, you know, finished in 2014. But that likely means that it won't get a release until in chunks of 2018. Because the way the uh, oh, really? a lot of European animate the way European animate features work is that there was a thing uh, every year. Uh, there's a bunch of basically festivals where executives and animators gather and they pitch their products at various stages of development, often not before they're completed. So these. Uh, developed with basically finances piecemeal from you know uh, governments people uh, people putting in a little and and as a result you know basically they finish the film and then they have to kind of look look around and you know figure out where to release uh, the f films and that's why their uh, release patterns seem piecemeal I mean it's obviously not a very financial it's nothing like how American anime features are done but it's just kind of sure. how it is Oh, that's disappointing. Like, I was hoping that would come out this summer. You don't think it will in the U.S.? Oh, absolutely not. You may. Uh, it might get a week in Los Angeles to qualify for the Anime Feature Oscar. That's what G Kids always does. And then Anime Feature in next February, you might get a wider release and see it in uh, some places. Darn it. <laughs> What's funny is that some of the... 
I didn't actually get to see Salt of the Sea until July 2015, which was actually later than the States because that they didn't release it properly in Ireland until there. That's it did funny. arrive here. This uh, release play, uh, studio here called Studio Canal. They're very good in Europe, so they'll often uh, re release indie stuff and make it do reasonably well. So mm -hmm. it did arrive here. I yeah, love that's basically so that's what's going to happen to Breadwinner. Oh, darn yeah. it. Yeah, it'll probably come out next February then, because that's what happened with Song of the Sea. It came to, at least it came to Utah, mm -hmm. where I live, uh, in February of 2015. And yeah. I, loved, I love Song of the Sea so oh, much. It's uh, one of my favorite animated films I've ever seen. Yeah. I just love it. Yeah. So, bummer. I, mean, maybe, I was hoping I that we'd get Red Winner. Oh. oh, well. Too Sorry. bad. Sorry about that. <laughs> that's okay. I just, uh, oh. I was looking forward to it. But I'll still look forward to it. And I don't know. There's one called Mary yeah. and the Witch's of Flower. But that may not come out. Um, I don't know when that's coming out in the States either. I know it's coming into Japan in summer. But I'm not sure about U.S. But that's by the mm -hmm. same director who did uh, when Marnie was there and uh, The Secret World of Arietti. So oh, that's yeah, exciting. Of course. So yeah. anyway. All right. Well. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely, I'm looking forward to Coco, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm curious about Cars 3, see what they do, just because it looks so different, mm -hmm. but, and it's Pixar, <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. but, yeah, other than that, it's going to be interesting, yeah. but hopefully there'll be yeah. a surprise. This is where I remind myself that you, uh, I do pay attention to more animated features, more on TV shows, but I, but uh, many of my friends often point out to me that uh, animate it's television where a lot of exciting animation is happening and you know yeah. they are kind of right so I try to obviously the thing with television is that I, I kind of feel like you know a feature you can just jump in and jump out you know watching a television show requires a lot more commitment so it's not the easiest thing yeah, to jump I into. Yeah I agree. Which is a pity because often it's the very fact that they can keep working on something for a while that allows them to do greater things and much bigger fandoms like uh, Gravity Falls, that's been done for a year now, and people are still gushing about that, and it has yeah. the biggest fandom, and it's just amazing, even though it wasn't you know, that big a rating success. So that's the thing about television. Fandoms can uh, really make something uh, live a lot more than films can, where it can be successful, but people don't remember it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like, like, Maybe that's part of the like thing it, with Smurfs, you know, is that it worked more for TV than then it, it just doesn't work as well for movies. Mm -hmm. Like, what's funny is Lego Batman. I mean, there's a film that was a success. And doesn't it, doesn't it kind of already feel like people are forgetting about it? Well, it wasn't that big a success. Ago? It was a lot less of a success than the Lego movie, surprisingly. When you look at the numbers, um, yeah. obviously it's not like a disappointment at the box office. It did fine, mm -hmm. but it was significantly less than... It made uh, the Lego Batman. Oh yeah, no. Yeah, just a lot less than the Lego the the. In the states, and maybe 120 in the rest of the world, I think. Yeah, 300 million worldwide, and mm -hmm. I think the, I think the Lego movie was a lot a lot more than that. Uh, not not a lot more. What's funny about the Lego movie is. Uh, not only did more of that come from the States, but what came from outside the States was still centered in the Andosphere, which means English-speaking countries. Like, mm. nearly half of the rest of the thing came from uh, the UK and Ireland, where it was a gargantuan hit, like it was in the States and Australia, where it was solid. 
but in the rest of the world it didn't hmm. do that well. Every so, Lincoln, every so often you get... Yeah. It, it's, it was kind of like, you know, an R-rated comedy that's humor is so kind of English-centered that it mm. doesn't fly very well in the rest of the world. Interesting, yeah. It made $469 million. So it made mm-hmm. 100... So Lego Batman movie made $169 million less than yeah. Lego movie. So, which yes. is interesting. When, anyway... When Lego- I, I wouldn't be surprised if Lego Ninjago, uh, I could see that not cracking 200 million worldwide, if, uh, for instance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Interesting. I mean, box office anyway, yeah, it, who knows. All right, well, mm. thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. And uh, so where can people oh, not at all. Where can people find you? Uh, okay, well, uh, they can follow me on Facebook and Twitter, Facebook uh, Cartoon Karma. On Twitter, it's just two in Karma because uh, someone else took Garden Karma, so I didn't have much choice. And on YouTube, it's a uh, Garden Karma, of course. Uh, so that's uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. Great, yeah, follow his, uh, his channel and uh, thanks again. And uh, we will talk. We'll have to talk again soon about a. We'll have to do a Song of the Sea podcast one of these days. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that's gonna be fun. All right.